Chapter 30 of the Radio Boys on the Mexican Border by Gerald Breckenridge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 30 Good News for Anxious Ears. Now to call father, said Big Bob. He and Jack, escorted by several Mexicans of Don Fernandez's band, who had been informed by the Don himself that the boys were friends who were to be treated with every respect, were approaching the radio station of the Calamares Ranch. Jack was exuberant. Plans for the rescue of his father from the stronghold of the rebel leader had not worked out just as proposed, yet the wild adventure upon which he and Bob had embarked had come to a successful conclusion after all, and he was correspondingly elated. Jack and his father were close pals, and he knew that Bob and his father were the same. He threw an arm over the shoulder of his chum. "'Your father will certainly be relieved,' he said. "'I imagine he's been sitting up there at the radio station on our ranch in New Mexico for hours, waiting to hear from you. I could just see him in there, walking up and down impatiently with that bow-legged old cowboy Dave Morningstar, tilted back in a chair with his hat down over his eyes, smoking and never making a move.' "'Won't he be delighted?' said Bob. "'Just won't he?' "'And Frank, too,' said Jack, thinking of their third chum left behind in the cave. "'Good old Frank,' said Bob warmly. "'We've got to tell him as soon as I've notified Father.' "'He certainly put up some fight, I'll bet,' said Jack, thinking of the hurried radio reaching them from the cave as they neared the Calamari's ranch in their airplane hours before. "'And maybe he was hurt in that fight with Morales. "'He said he licked the Mexican, but that was all we heard. "'You remember?' His voice was broken off after that. That's right, said Bob. I hope nothing serious happened to him. What a shame it would be if he was hurt, while we here came through practically without a scratch. All this time they had been walking across the starlit landing field where could be seen Bob's airplane, and now they drew near the brightly lighted radio station. Entering the sending room, they were confronted by Muller, that young German operator whose perspicacity almost had caused their undoing, and whom Jack earlier had floored with a blow on the chin, was sitting in a chair reading. He had returned to the station after the attack of the Mexican regulars had been beaten off. Muller jumped to his feet, surprise giving way to anger, but before he could draw and level the revolver swinging at his hip, one of the Mexican guards accompanying the boys pushed them aside and thrust himself forward. None of that, he said in Spanish. The general has commanded that these young Americans be well treated. They are friends. Friends, muttered Muller sullenly, nevertheless withdrawing his hand from the revolver butt. That wasn't a very friendly way to treat me a while ago, he turned to Jack. And why, if you are friends, he demanded, do you two appear in the closing of Herr von Arnheim and Captain Morales? A number of events have occurred, said Jack quietly. That is why. However, Don Fernandez has heard the tale, and that is sufficient. He has given orders personally to these soldiers that we shall be permitted to use the radio. That is why we are here. Is that so? demanded Muller of the Mexican guards. The spokesman of the pair nodded in agreement. The general has so commanded, he said. Grudgingly, Muller stepped aside. Here was a mystery, and he hated mysteries. Besides, these two youths were Americans. He was a German, and although the war between their respective countries was at an end, he could not bring himself to entertain kindly feelings toward them. Like many Germans, he believed the United States responsible for the defeat of his fatherland in the World War. He was working in the ranks of Germans in Mexico to embroil the United States with that country. Such war, he believed, would strike a blow in the prestige of the hated Yankees. If the general has commanded, he said, stepping aside, go ahead. 
Look here, said Jack, flushing at this grumpy attitude, but deciding to do the manly thing nevertheless, and extending his hand. Let bygones be bygones. After a moment's hesitation, Muller shook hands. To do him justice, it is only fair to point out that he was sincere in his attitude toward Americans, but misled. I haven't had time to explain about that blow, said Jack, but at the moment it was necessary. Matters have changed since then. It was nothing personal. Very well, said Muller, his grumpiness beginning to disappear beneath the charm of Jack's manner. Say no more. Now what is it that you want? Perhaps I can help you. We want to use the radio, said Jack, noting Bob's growing impatience at their delay. What station do you want to call? The Hampton Ranch, interrupted Bob, who decided it was time to bring this conversation to an end. He was in a hurry to talk to his father. Are you calling Rollins? This reminder of the erstwhile trader in the Hampton Ranch brought both boys to a realization that Muller was familiar with the manner of calling their station, as undoubtedly he had handled or conducted radio conversations with Rollins in the past. No, not Rollins, said Bob shortly. It was all right for Jack to shake hands with Muller if he wanted to. Jack and Muller had been active opponents, and such an act was only sportsmanlike under the circumstances. But Bob disliked the young German on sight. Just let me at the phone, he said, and turn on the juice. Very well. Muller turned stiffly and entered the power plant adjacent, while Bob, in a fever, adjusted the headpiece. As the hum of the machinery sounded from the power plant, Jack laid a hand on Bob's arm. Look here, Bob. Wait a minute. Bob regarded him inquiringly. His fingers reached for the knobs on the instrument box before him, preparatory to sending out a signal call. What is it now? Well, you know old Frank will have his ear glued to the receiver at the cave. Suppose you call your father, but tell Frank to listen in and not interrupt. Right, said Bob. Well, here goes. And he began calling the Hampton Ranch. End of chapter 30